Journey to Pascha, Orthodox Spiritual Reflections on Great Lent, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. Our Daily Bread Orthodox Scripture Readings to Help Nourish the Soul A reading from Proverbs chapter 15 verses 7 to 19 containing timeless wisdom into a range of virtues and vices. In the houses of the righteous there is much strength, but the fruits of the ungodly shall perish. The lips of the wise are bound by perception, but the hearts of those without discernment are not safe. The sacrifices of the ungodly are an abomination to the Lord, but the prayers of the upright are acceptable with him. The ways of the ungodly are an abomination to the Lord, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. The instruction of the simple is known by those who pass by, but those who hate reproofs will die shamefully. Hades and destruction are manifest before the Lord, how can the hearts of men not be also? An uninstructed man will not love those who reprove him, and he will not keep company with the wise. When one's heart is glad, his face is cheerful, but when it is in grief, his face is sad. The upright heart seeks perception, but the mouth of the uninstructed will know evil things. The eyes of evil men are waiting for evil things all the time, but good men are at rest continually. Better is a small portion with the fear of the Lord than great treasures with lack of fear. Better is a dinner of herbs with friendship and grace than a fatted calf with hostility. An angry man stirs up contention, but a long-suffering man even calms the rising quarrel. Lives of Our Saints Saint Ipatios was present at the First Ecumenical Council which was held in Nicaea 
in 325 AD, and he was renowned by all for his pious life and miracle working. His fame was so well known that the Emperor Constantius ordered that a likeness of Ibatios be made during the saint's lifetime. The Emperor kept this likeness in his own palace as a weapon against all adverse powers. Once, upon returning from Constantinople, Ibatios was attacked in a narrow gorge by heretics and was thrown from the road into the mud. At that moment, a woman from that group struck him on the head with a stone, and thus the saint died. Immediately, the woman went insane and took that same stone and struck herself with it. When they took her to the grave of Saint Ibatios, he prayed to God on her behalf. She was healed by the great compassionate soul of Ibatios and lived the remainder of her life in repentance and prayer. Saint Ibatios died and took up his habitation in the eternal kingdom of Christ, the God, in the year 326 AD. Saint Jonah, Metropolitan of Moscow. Jonah was born in the province of Kostroma in Russia in the 15th century. When he was 12 years old, he was tonsured a monk and lived for a long time in the Simonov Monastery in Moscow. During the time of Metropolitan Fotios, Jonah became Bishop of Ryazan. When Fotios died, Jonah was elected Metropolitan and sent to the Patriarch in Constantinople for approval and consecration. Jonah, however, was outwitted by a man named Isidore who arrived in Constantinople before him and was consecrated as the Metropolitan of the Russians. Jonah returned to his cathedral in Ryazan. The malicious Isidore ended his rule as Metropolitan in an evil manner. Isidore attended the Council of Florence in 1439 AD, and only after three years did he return to Moscow. Everyone attacked him as an apostate of orthodoxy and he was banished. It is unknown where he ended his life. Jonah, the good and wise shepherd, ascended the Metropolitan's throne. He was a great worker of miracles, a seer and a spiritual director. When the Hagarines surrounded Moscow, Jonah repelled them through his prayers. In his later years, he had the desire to be afflicted by an illness so that he could suffer pain and through this pain completely purify himself before his departure to the other world. According to his desire, God permitted wounds on his feet, which was foretold in a vision to a certain priest, James. The saint died from these wounds and took up his habitation among the heavenly citizens on the 31st of March, 1431 AD. Many miracles have occurred over his relics. A certain mute, by the name of John, was brought before the relics of the saint. John kissed the hand of Jonah, and as he related later, the hand grabbed him by the tongue and he felt a sharp pain. 
When the hand released his tongue, John returned to those people who had brought him and began to talk as though he had never been mute. The Hieromata Ordus Saint Ordus was a bishop of the city of Susa in Persia, which is modern-day Iran. He was beheaded for Christ in 418 AD by Emperor Yezdegerhud. His deacon, Saint Benjamin, was released by the tormentors with the understanding that he would never preach the gospel again. In the beginning he agreed, but Benjamin's heart could not endure this and he continued to spread the truth of Christ among the people. For this, Benjamin was captured and slain three years after the death of St. Ordus in the year 421 AD. The Venerable Apollonius Apollonius was a renowned Egyptian ascetic. In his fifteenth year, he renounced the world and withdrew to a mountain where he lived for forty years, eating only wild plants. Afterward, he established a monastery in which 500 monks lived. He died peacefully in the year 395 AD. Orthodox Readings and Reflections for Lent Brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society Today's reading raises a question which goes to the heart of Orthodox Christianity. Why does the Orthodox Church value asceticism? Back from the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them two commandments. First, to tend and keep the garden, and second, to abstain from eating the forbidden fruit. Both of these commandments were ways of practicing asceticism. There were further instances of asceticism in the Old Testament, for example with Jonah and the Ninevites. In the New Testament, we read about the ascetical life of St. John the Baptist, who lived in the desert and ate very plainly. Christ himself fasted for 40 days prior to starting his ministry, and at other times he would retreat at night to pray. The early Christians also gave emphasis to fasting and prayer. Asceticism was taken up in full fervour by those who left the cities to go to the deserts as monks, nuns or hermits. Countless saints have been formed by the ascetic tradition which has been preserved in the Orthodox Church. But what is asceticism? Asceticism consists of spiritual labours that include prayer, fasting, prostrations, vigils, hardships, or canons of various sorts, and contemplation. Acts of asceticism combine physical undertakings in conjunction with focusing the heart 
and mind towards God. Why fast? Why subject the body to such exercises? How does asceticism help? And is it just for monks and nuns? Well, the purpose of our lives is deification, which means to become like God. In order to be deified, we need to be illumined with Christ. And in order to be illumined, we need to be cleansed from our spiritual stains, those blotches on our soul which separates us from the love of God. Those stains are our sins, our bad habits and our evil inclinations. Ascetic practices are the methods of cleansing our hearts. They are our gymnasium, the training program for the spiritual Olympics, which is the great and final judgment. They are the true and trusted method of cleansing the body, mind, heart and soul. Asceticism is the antidote to the materialism and egotism that pervades our day-to-day -day life. Asceticism is not the goal of the spiritual life, but simply the method. Asceticism is not about building points or achievements of spiritual feats. Such an approach often leads to pride. Instead, it is the product of our repentance. We remember the example of Zacchaeus, whose repentance was realised through his almsgiving and hence his personal deprivation. And just as an athlete requires a coach to guide them to train and prepare correctly, any ascetical endeavour requires spiritual coaching, and these coaches are our spiritual fathers. Without such guidance, our ascetical efforts are likely to miss the mark. Whilst monks and nuns have very specific methods of asceticism, we too can benefit from having an ascetical mindset. We can try and live simply without excesses. We can try to observe the prescribed fasts of the church. We can attend church services as much as possible. We can practice almsgiving. We can familiarise ourselves with the prayer rope, the koposkini, and the Jesus prayer. And it's stated, these efforts need to be guided by our spiritual father. When done properly, asceticism gives us the wings to soar into the embrace of God's love. We thus pray that the good Lord inspires and guides us to espouse an appropriate ascetical mindset. Amen. you've enjoyed this edition of the journey to Pascha brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple podcasts or visit niknos.org at lychnos.org.au where you can find more Orthodox articles talks and podcasts to help you on your journey this Lent towards the resurrection of our Lord mm -hmm.